the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. Always a privilege. Today is Tuesday, October the 13th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on October 13, 1775, the United States Navy had its origins as the Continental Congress ordered the construction of a naval fleet. They built two ships. Today in A.D. 54, Roman Emperor Claudius I, he died. He was poisoned by his wife. She didn't want him to be in power. She wanted Nero to be in power. Don't let your wife get mad at you. Today in 1792, the cornerstone of the executive mansion, we know it as the White House, that was laid by President George Washington. Today in 1932, President Herbert Hoover and Chief Justice Charles Evans Hughes they laid the cornerstone on the U.S. Supreme Court building in Washington, D.C. Supreme Court, of course, is in full focus today across America. Today, 1943, Italy declared war on Germany, its one-time Axis partner, now its enemy. Today, in 1958, Paddington Bear, that teddy bear, he was introduced, he was born. Children fell in love with him, and they still are. Every generation likes Paddington Bear. Today in 1974, longtime television host Ed Sullivan. He died in New York. He was 73, 73 years old. A lot of things going on in our country today, as you know. The hearing, or some call it an inquest, or a trial of Amy Coney Barrett for the Supreme Court. It's happening. It's taking place as we speak. There's an interesting uh, interesting uh, thing that happened this morning, not long ago, as a matter of fact. But uh, Amy Coney Barrett was asked a question about her beliefs and about how she feels about certain things. And she, uh, she responded in a way that I just want to share that with you before we get to what I want to talk to you about today. They asked her, they said, Ms. Barrett, you have a large family, one of the Democrats. You're very involved in your church and activities connected to your church. They said, will it be a problem for you? Will you have time to serve as a justice? A stupid question. It's a sexist question, actually. But it doesn't matter to the left. They create all these rules of sexism and tolerance. and They use all these words to reconstruct the culture, but they don't abide by their own rules, and they weren't with this question. But they said, look, look, you said, how are you going to fit all this in? Here's what she said. I think this gives you a window into who this person really is. She's a wonderful person from all, you know, all accounts, except Democrats who don't want her on the Supreme Court. She said, look, I've made distinct choices. I've decided to pursue a career and have a large family. I have a multiracial family. Our faith is important to us. 
All of those things are true, but they're my choices. <laughs> the party of choice is hearing from a Republican, a conservative. They're my choices. She's a Catholic. She's a mother of seven. Two of them are adopted from Haiti. You probably have heard that. One has special needs uh, child, one of the ch- children. I don't think it's one of them from Haiti. I think it's one of their biological children has Down syndrome. She said she spent her life brimming with other people in her life that made different choices, and she respected their choices. She said, I've never tried in my personal life to impose my choices on them, and the same is true professionally. Barrett acknowledged the confirmation process to ultimately set on the Supreme Court was difficult and excruciating, she said. She said, we knew and I knew it would have an impact on my family and my personal life. She said, quote, we knew that our lives would be combed over for every negative detail. We know that our faith would be caricatures, and it has been. The left has so just, they've been so mean-spirited and so malicious toward her faith. And all of these people call themselves Christians. Kamala Harris says she's a Protestant. She's a Methodist. She's a Christian. Joe Biden, I'm a Christian. I'm a Catholic. They don't even live by the rules and by the teaching of their own church. Whatever it is. It doesn't matter if it's Methodist or whatever. America has gotten used to politicians who claim one thing and live very differently and their policies seldom, if ever, match up with their faith that they proclaim to have. We're living in a time that's not unlike Jesus and his his words to the Pharisees. And they weren't kind words. He called them hypocrites. He called them like a tomb, whitewashed on the outside and rotten on the inside. I mean, those are his words, not mine. So anyway, she continues. The characters, I've seen cartoons of she and her family and, and their Christianity and I mean it's been it's awful I'm not I wouldn't even try to describe some of the things that are out there about she and her family and their faith she said we knew that would happen she said we knew our family would be attacked Barrett said she and her husband discussed the scrutiny that they would face and she said we chose to embrace that suffering she said and I quote her Why should I say that someone else should do the difficulty if the difficulty is the only reason to say no? She said, I should serve my country and my family is all in on this because they share my belief in the rule of law. One of the Democrats said, so we'll be getting another Justice Scalia. Very politely, as she always is, she responded, no. She said, you'll be getting a Justice Barrett. (laughs) That's kind of the tone of what's going on in the hearing today. That was about an hour and a half ago or so uh, this morning around 8.30 our time here on the West Coast. So that's what's happening in in her world and in the world of (laughs) the world of politics. It is a dirty business, but God has called us to either be involved as Christians or to at least be informed and assist those who are involved 
as Christians in the political discourse in our nation. I want to thank you for your support of this ministry. We asked a while back last week, I told you we had to replace our systems in our office, our all of our computer programming. Ours was just, it was really old and it was outdated. And finally, the company, they kept telling me we're going to have to re- replace this. And I kept saying, yeah, 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 some other time. I mean, we, we don't have you know money for such emergencies. We meet our budget now every month because you support us. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for your regular monthly support because that's what makes it possible for us to be on the air each weekday in your area on the station you're listening to now. So thank you for that. But we, I shared that with you and the response was almost immediate and you gave us more than we asked for. And we've marked the additional and it'll be used for that those kinds of purposes but uh, as we go forward. But I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for standing with us because these are not easy times for people with a message like ours. There is resistance, some of it human, some I would suppose demonic. But thank you for standing with us and thank you for your support. And thank you for giving us what we needed to replace our computer systems in our offices. And we have done that and we're putting that online now as I speak. And within by Wednesday, by tomorrow, it'll be up and running and everything's great. So thank you so much. And thank you for standing with us each month in our budget. Our address is box 399 Bellevue, Washington. 98009, box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Or you can donate online, faithandfreedom.us. Faithandfreedom.us. First thing you'll see, a page will come up on an article that I wrote on that particular day. And um, you'll see a donate tab. You can click that and you can donate online. More and more people are doing that. Many of you are writing checks, mailing them in. Whatever is works for you is deeply appreciated on our part. Thank you so much. Former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich was talking to New York's WABC Radio Sunday. They were interviewing him. He said that the 2020 election, which is coming up in a matter of days now, just a few weeks, Newt said it's the most sobering since 1864 when Abraham Lincoln ran for re-election. Newt says had Lincoln lost, the South would have seceded and slavery would have survived. In 2020, and that's end of quote, but in 2020, the head of faith and the head of freedom and the head of family has been put on a guillotine. The radical far left is trying desperately to drop the blade and put it all to rest. They're sick and tired of Christianity. They're sick and tired of the morality. Ironically, while Biden reportedly leads in most polls the majority of Americans disagree with most of what his far-left political allies are saying and doing and planning to do. Pelosi is in an attempt to draw attention to herself last week. You may have seen this. She pulled back the curtain. I'll tell you what's backstage. She came out with this idiotic proposal again. I'll talk about that and see how it all fits in to an agenda that is anti-family, anti-faith, 
anti-freedom. This trial on on Amy Coney Barrett is underway. It's amplifying the deep divide that we have in America. Newt nailed it. Newt rightly said that if Biden wins, the Democrats are going to have him sit in a corner and let his vice presidential pick, Senator Kamala Harris, a Democrat from California, and her fellow radical left-wing radicals govern the country. Newt says all the left, all they want is power. Gingrich said this, and I'm going to quote a paragraph of what he said. He said, if Lincoln had lost, the South would have seceded. Slavery would have survived. The Union would have ended. And we are now in a similar situation with people who do not like America. They want to replace America. They're committed to profoundly changing the world that you and I live in. And I would like to make us basically, they would like to make us basically like California, where it's virtually impossible to defeat the machine. He's talking about politically to defeat the machine in California because they've rigged the game so decisively. I agree. Should Biden be elected president, the people around him will destroy the institutions of America, thus destroying the America that we know and love. But Biden wallows in the glory of achieving his lifelong goal. And he said it many times, his goal from the time he was, I think he said 30 years old, I believe it is. He said from from that time, his goal has has been to be president of the United States. Same thing as Hillary Clinton. That was a parallel goal. That's all they ever wanted to be was president. It wasn't out of a sense of duty. It wasn't. It's such a striking contrast, even to what Amy Coney Barrett is saying. She wants to serve the country. These people want to be something. It's very, very different. Anyway, that's been his goal. And that's all he wants. If he can just crawl through the threshold and into that oval office, he will have achieved his lifelong goal. And the country can go to hell in a handbasket, as far as he's concerned. And all the rest of the people on the left, they don't care about America. In fact, they want to redefine it. Barack Obama bragged every time he got some far-left cockamamie law or policy in place, he said, we're making progress. He said, often, we're making progress in remaking America. Pelosi's political stunt last week kind of pulled the curtain back with much fanfare, as she always does, much like when she tore up the State of the Union address, the copy of it, in front of Congress and the world. The last State of the Union address that President Trump gave, she ceremoniously tore it into pieces and threw it down. She is in trouble intellectually. But much in the same spirit, this last week, she introduced a bill that will facilitate removing a president from office should a bipartisan group of legislators agree that he or she was no longer capable of carrying out the duties of his position. She noted in her comments that President Trump's recent bout with the coronavirus had prompted her to take these steps. But she said, and I'm quoting her, for the sake of the country, Her concern was not about Trump because he'll be gone soon, she said. It's about going forward. Well, that's interesting. She's the consummate politician. She's hollow in her values. Really, she is because she she contradicts the Bible while she's quoting it. But she she has blown it politically. 
what she intended for evil the Republicans saw for good, their political good. A Zogby survey conducted in June, and Zogby is usually quoted by the left, but they're very well known. This survey in June found a majority of likely voters, 55%, thought it was more likely than not that Biden is in the early stages of dementia. A Rasmussen poll in August, just a couple, two, three months ago, it showed that 59% of likely voters believe that Biden's running mate will be president before the end of Biden's four-year term. That was while Joe Biden was staying in his basement. Now that he's in the public, he's beginning to, they're beginning to see him in person. The belief is growing that he probably will be unable. I mean, people are empathetic. I feel empathetic for him. I feel sorry for him. He can't connect intellectually. He's not doing it. When he's reading a few lines, he gets through them. But when he's talking spontaneously, just yesterday, the press asked him something about he and Obama, and he referred to when uh, Mitt Romney was running against uh, Obama for the presidency, the 2012 election. Biden paused and he looked, he looked confused for a minute. He said, you know, when when he said when uh, uh, when we were running against that Mormon. Whew. But Pelosi's stunt backfired. The public sees it for what it is. Her bill formalizes a remedy by the 25th Amendment to the Constitution to remove a sitting president, but the president to be removed will not, will not be Trump in her mind because he'll be gone. It'll be Biden. She is setting the stage for a peaceful removal of Joe Biden. Because she thinks he's going to win the election, and all the polls say he's going to. Left-leaning Axios, they conducted a focus group on Democrats following the Pence-Harris debate last week, vice presidential debate. Pope, uh, people in the focus group who were probably mostly Democrat or Democrat-leaning, they were telling them that they don't think Biden could finish a four-year term, but they thought they'd vote for him anyway. They're voting for Kamala Harris as president. Kamala Harris is rated last year as number one, the most liberal senator in the Senate. No, it's not Bernie Sanders. It's Kamala Harris. Bernie Sanders was rated number two. There's an organization, I can't remember the name of now because I don't pay that much attention to them, but every year they rate the, all of the politicians, based on what they say in speeches and how they vote. And the organization publishes it every year, and I glance at it from time to time. I don't mention it a lot on this program. But Kamala Harris was number one, the most liberal senator in the U.S. Senate. Bernie was number two. As a presidential candidate in the primaries, Harris couldn't even stay in the race until her own home state, California, had voted. Her national support was little to nothing. American Democrats didn't want her for president. So why is Biden supposedly leading in almost all the national polls and most people, 59% and probably more so today than last week, when the more they see of him, the more they believe that he has dementia, and he does. Why is he leading in the polls when they didn't like Harris when she was running for president They see Biden's 
cognitive issues, and they are pretty sure he won't fun- he won't be able to function for four years. Due to the major storm, Gary was cut off at this time. We are going to fill the last seven minutes of his program today with a portion from a previous program. God uses unusual people to do extraordinary things. Some of us are not only unusual, but not all that talented, but God God wants to use us all. This message is one that has is experiencing some pushback. I shared this video on uh, on our daily Faith and Freedom Daily, the article that we write. It goes out to thousands of people. We put it on there, a link to YouTube. In fact, we put the the video of the audio you just heard on there today. It went out. It was blocked. Google owns YouTube. And I won't get into the details. You can fill in the blanks. But it was blocked. And some of you are writing to me that read read this. I'm getting the email. I, I don't know if you listen to this program or not. I hope you do. But we have put up another version, another not a version, but the same thing, but from a different platform on our our uh, blog today. So if you want to, if you didn't see that, you want to go back on there, you can see the video that's associated with what you just heard. But it's powerful and it's authenticated. I remember as a kid growing up in a church in Yakima Valley, a church that not only my parents had been married in and grew up in and spent their life, but my grandparents as well. My wife's family were in, they were in that church as well. I grew up going to church four or five times, six times, sometimes a week. I wasn't a bad kid, but I really was a little bit rebellious because my family, all of whom were Christians, kept telling me, Gary, I think God's going to call you to the ministry. I didn't want to go in the ministry. I had a different plan. It wasn't anti-God. It just wasn't ministry. I remember growing up with that, and I would try to avoid those conversations. We were all a close family. Everybody knew everybody. But I kind of knew they were right. But I just didn't want to go there. Some of you listening to this program, you've known me that long. And you know what I'm saying. But I remember when God really got a hold of, excuse me, I did not want to do this. But I remember when God really got a hold of my life. It wasn't a new message. I'd heard the gospel my whole life. I don't remember the first time I went to church. My mother told me when she was living, I was a few months old. But until I made that my gospel, my relationship, my life wasn't completely changed in the way that God wanted to change it. 
And I remember when God spoke to my heart, there was no question in my heart that God had called me to the ministry. I knew it. I was overwhelmed with the call that I felt in my heart. The verse that I kept repeating, I knew that verse. I'd memorized. I'd been in Sunday school my whole life. I knew verses from memory. But the verse that kept burning through my heart back then was Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone who believes. I have tried to preach that message, that verse, faithfully wherever I've gone throughout my life. Perhaps we haven't said it as well as others or as many times as others or to as many people, but we've tried to be faithful to that. And I know many of you identify with that because you feel the same way. Your experiences have been different. But that call, that sense that God wants to use me or God will use me, it's there. I hope that every pastor, I wish they would, would open their Bible whether they're streaming or in a building, probably streaming this Sunday. I wish they would open their Bible and they would use that as a text and tell people not to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. There is no other answer to the, to the evils and to the, the illness in our society. And now, this pandemic. I know the press and the secularists are mocking Vice President Pence and others who pray, they're mocking them. But there is there is no other solution, ultimately. We're coming into an election year. The issues come and go, but God's word is the same. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. Isaiah 40, chapter, verse 8. His laws and his commandments don't change. God does not take opinion polls. He stands firm, generation to generation. In this next election you will have to decide which candidate and which party you're going to trust to support religious freedom and to nominate decent, God-fearing judges. Those are the questions that you and I are going to have to answer and decide for yourself. And please, to those of you who do not agree with me, don't tell me that church and state is supposed to be separated. I already know what you believe. And I know what Thomas Jefferson believed, and he didn't believe what you've made him out to believe. Church and state was never supposed to be separated. The state was supposed to keep its hands off the church, and that's what Thomas Jefferson was trying to say. I said immediately, and often after the 2016 presidential election, you'll know that because we've been on this program for several years prior to that. I often said I believe that God has given us a brief a window of opportunity to return to the moral, the biblical values that have long been the foundation of this nation. That's why I quote the founding fathers and the early people and leaders of this nation, Abraham Lincoln and others. They were so connected, wherever they were spiritually in their own heart, only God knows. But they were so connected to the truth of God's word, they knew that did not change. They knew that governments can come and go. They knew that values, culturally driven values, cannot be sustained. They knew that. That's why they built this country. They founded this country on the eternal Judeo-Christian values of the Bible. That's why they did that. They wanted this country to last. 
by God's grace, we've seen some presidents come through the Oval Office who have stood for what we believe 